everybody thanks for hanging out with us we are delighted we have uh steve is it russian russian yeah, a 50 50 chance it's russian russian but i thing. get russian half the time i know russian and we should know that because <laughs> we talked to you when your memoir stingray <laughs> afternoons came out a couple years ago which we just loved and now you have basically picking up where you left off in Stingray Afternoons, which was your memoir with being a little bit older, you know, in yeah. your teens and going into your 20s. And it's called Nights in White Castle. And, oh, my gosh, you make us laugh with your storytelling. <laughs> it's all... Well, thank I mean, you. Yeah. It's so nostalgic, too. You know, everything that you write about in the 80s, growing up in Bloomington. Um, how, you know, is this part part two kind of of your memoir? Um, what yeah, is I was going to say the first one was set in the 70s. I was three when the 70s started, 13 when they ended. So that's kind of the most innocent, sweet part of childhood in the 80s. So I was 13 to 23, and that's a little less innocent. You know, you're going from your Stingray bike to, to, in my case, my friend's uh, dad was a dentist. We rode around the 494 strip in his Bonneville. powder blue Bonneville with like crushed velvet interior. We were wearing sort of velour shirts ourselves and uh, couldn't get into any of the places on the strip, but you know, we like to see, hey, there's the rusty scupper where the Vikings quarterback hangs out. And, and uh, those nights always ended up at White Castle on Lindale and Bloomington. Oh, my. and that's the title, Nights, Nights in, in White, White Castle. Castle. It's so fun. And, you know, just like in Stingray Afternoons, I mean, I really became fond of your mom and dad, oh. and then your dad uh, has a little like this story about you know this that he met all these rockers and even <laughs> famous people because of what he did with 3M or as he called it Mickey Mining. Um, maybe you can share up like one share one of the stories about your dad and who he met. Well, he 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 uh, sold magnetic tape, uh, recording tape for 3M, Scotch Brand tape. So he would go to Harlan Recording Studios both music and television, and uh, he'd appear at the sort of technical um, Emmys and Oscars each year, and uh, but had no idea or really any interest in who any of these people were. Right. He boasts that he completely missed Elvis and the Beatles, even though he was sort of in the prime age for them when he when they were in their prime. Um, but the one guy he did know, uh, he was he was seated uh, in the mid eighties, uh, probably at the height of his worldwide fame, uh, on a Northwest flight from Minneapolis-St. Paul to LAX behind. He got upgraded to first class. He was in, right before the doors closed, Prince got on with two bodyguards. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was in a wow. jumpsuit. Yeah, and, uh, and he stood up and <laughs> when, uh, when he had to use the bathroom, the bodyguards got up and knocked on the door and secured the bathroom for him. And when he needed to order a drink, he would stage whisper mineral water to the flight to the <laughs> bodyguard who would then stand and stage whisper mineral water to the flight attendant. And uh, my dad, he, he's told this <laughs> story for years, and it just amuses me to no end that the one kind of rock star that registered in his consciousness in 50 years was the hometown guy who, in 1984, which is my senior year of high school, when Purple Rain came out, oh, yeah. uh, was unmissable. He was the biggest biggest star in the world, and, right. and uh, my dad got to you know be in his orbit. Yeah, that's oh, it's so funny, and also uh, but, I don't know where you. Um, you, but you write about the Carlton Celebrity Room, which was a mm-hmm. thing Everything. back in the day. Right. They had a lot of big stars. <laughs> but your story that you include in the book about Rodney Dangerfield talking to Johnny Carson about performing at the Carlton yeah, is he, hilarious. Well, you know, the Carlton was, you know, I worked at, at Met Center 
as a kid selling popcorn. So I got to see concerts, Kenny Rogers, and you know, and all these people came through East Bloomington either to play sports at the Met Center or concerts at Met Center, Met sure. Stadium, uh, or the Carlton Celebrity Room. And and um, in fact, I saw Cool and the Gang play there my my senior year of high school. And Rodney Dangerfield was on the Tonight Show. I think you can find this on YouTube now. Um, talking to Johnny about uh, you know at the end of his set, he plugs his upcoming gigs, and he says, I'm going to get the Carlton Celebrity Room in Bloomington, Minnesota, and Johnny laughs at that. Bloomington, Minnesota, where's that? And Rodney says, yeah, I don't know, it's so far out in the middle of nowhere, a field and stream is going to review my act. <laughs> <laughs> all, I could think, all I could think is, you know, a 12-year-old who worshipped Carson and got just wanted to stay up late to see the Tonight Show that my dad would always laugh at, um, all I could hear was Johnny Carson and Rodney Dangerfield from Caddyshack were talking about Bloomington, and, and, you know, to me, that was the center of the universe, and, you know, I always thought, how many places had their own strip? So there was the Las Vegas Strip, the Sunset Strip in Hollywood, and the 494 Strip in Bloomington, so, you know, we had to be on the map because we had a, a strip. We were strip-worthy. <laughs> you were strip It was strip-worthy. Do you think about that, if you're just joining us for Steve, Russian... Russian, am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Knights, exactly. in, Knights in White Castle. It's a it's a memoir. His life in the eighties in Bloomington, Minnesota, and the great stories that you have. You're a great storyteller. Do you like? I mean, that I kind of miss the nostalgia of the strip of all those places, and now it's changed so much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it. Um, we the had Thunderbirds gone. You, you, yeah, yeah, we had the yeah, we had the international airport there, so people are flying in from all over the world, and athletes are coming in from all over to play sports in that same area. Uh, entertainers, you know, Liberace and and uh, uh, Cool of the Gang are coming in to play at the Carlton Celebrity Carlton Celebrity Room that says celebrity, so you ha- you know they must be celebrities. Right. And, uh, and they had all these restaurants and nightclubs, and you know, at the far end of the strip, you had. The Camelot. I don't know how many people remember that. Oh, yes. but the big thing was to um, say, tell your prom date you're going to dinner at the Camelot, but instead of going to the Camelot restaurant, you would go to the Camel Lot at Southdale <laughs> Mall, which has sections of parking lot named after animals. So uh, it was it was a what a time to be alive on right. the um, on the four ninety four strip. And my buddy. I had a membership. You could get a membership to the swimming pool at the Holiday Airport Holiday Inn, which is no longer there, and um, and so you could be uh, there poolside getting milkshakes at age twelve, while um, you know the, the Swedish flight attendants are sunning themselves on the shuffleboard <laughs> deck, and uh, and you know the Vikings backup quarterback is throwing Nerf footballs to kids running past patterns into the pool. So it was. It's a time in history that that will never be repeated. Needless to say, but it was uh, it was a great time to be a, a, a teenager. What do your um, like? I'm th- thinking specifically of some of your buddies, both within Stingray Afternoon or even in, in this one, Nights in White Castle. I mean, are they happy to be famous? Did you use their real names in the book? Yeah, all your buddies. I, I- I use some real names and I and I change some names so as not to incriminate okay. some of them. But um, I think I think they've all everybody that I that I've been in contact with gets gets a kick out of it. And you know, the older you get, you, it's crazy that next year, 1980, will be 40 years in the past. It's like when I was in a kid in 1980, that was 1940 for me. So right. uh, I think they all start to realize as time goes by that um, you know that this was a pretty extraordinary, ordinary, yes, but also an extraordinary place to grow up. I had a, a friend of mine, a uh, co- work colleague of mine at Sports Illustrated, who told me uh, after he read it, he said, God, it made me wish that I had grown up 
in Bloomington, Minnesota. Oh, what a compliment. I know. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else said to me. Go ahead. Yeah, well, well, I was going to say, somebody else said to me, you know, you wrote a whole book about growing up in Bloomington. And I said, no, I've written two whole books about growing up in Bloomington. Are we going to have the 90s? Did you, well, you went away to college. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I uh, people have asked me that, and have said, "Well, I, I need to know what happens next." So, you know, the the, the book that I would consider uh, writing is, you know, I, I have four kids now. No, you do. We have I one have minute, all, Steve. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, I have four kids now, and I and I just, uh, you know, want to repeat. I want them to have the kind of childhood that I had. Well, it it it. It's such a happy childhood. Yeah, Thank you really for sharing good. with we us. Love the book you is books. Knights in White Castle. Thanks, Steve, for your time. Go Twins. Thanks right? so much. Good luck to the Twins. No kidding. We're going to need it. We want to thank Winding Trail Books located in Milton Square for, spot, square for sponsoring our